Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, May 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. EU officials are discussing their toughest sanctions yet on Moscow. And one of Europe's biggest member states isn't so sympathetic to Russia anymore. It's just not possible to make excuses for Moscow anymore. Moscow as a market of interest is probably over for a good long time. And we'll tell you about a shareholder campaign aimed at getting big food companies to up their game on health and nutrition. I'm Joanna Gao, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. European energy ministers are holding an emergency meeting today, and they're discussing Russia's decision to halt gas supplies to Bulgaria and Poland. This comes as the EU is trying to reach an agreement among the various member states to ban Russian energy. Hungary's prime minister said he will not support a ban on Russian gas or oil. But Germany is calling for a phased-in ban on Russian oil. Berlin's willingness to speed up its timeline increases the likelihood of a full EU oil embargo. For decades, one of Russia's biggest allies in the EU was Italy. Even after Russia invaded Crimea in 2014, Italian businesses opposed sanctions. And the prime minister back then, Silvio Berlusconi, traveled to Crimea to drink wine with Vladimir Putin. But the war in Ukraine has been a turning point. I spoke to our Rome correspondent, Amy Kasman, about this. So look, Italy came out of World War II with the largest communist party in Western Europe, and it was a part of the political establishment. It helped write the Italian constitution. So as a result of the kind of communist influence in Italy's domestic politics, Italy had a kind of an affinity with the Soviet Union. And then in the 1960s, Italian companies, including the state-owned energy company Eni, started doing business in the Soviet Union. And a lot of Russian entrepreneurs started investing in Italy. And basically, there was quite a strong tie. And then comes Silvio Berlusconi, who kind of sees Italy as a bridge between Russia and the West and kind of tries to help bring Vladimir Putin and Russia in from the cold. And Italy, because of its kind of close association and deep comfort level with Russia, had always been seen as sympathetic towards Moscow's point of view, more sympathetic than perhaps other countries. And even after Putin invaded Crimea, Berlusconi was still supporting him. So what's changed now? The invasion of Ukraine by Russia has been a huge shock to Italy. We also have the fact that Mario Draghi is the prime minister, and he's a former central bank president of the EU central bank, and he has a very different approach. He is very committed to kind of multilateralism, the European institutions, the, you know, the Atlantic relationship with America. He's actually been out at the forefront, really, really stridently denouncing this as an attack on the entire post-World War II multilateral order. And he looks at this invasion as, I think he's really, truly appalled, like morally appalled. And what about public opinion? Has that changed as well? 
I think the public opinion, of course, is quite aghast at the kind of brutality and the damage that's being done. There are very strong people-to-people -people links in Italy. Nearly 236,000 Ukrainians resident in Italy. They play an important part of the economy. Many of the migrant workers in Italy are middle-aged women who are heavily involved in taking care of Italy's elderly population. So many Italian families actually have very strong personal links with Ukraine through these caretakers and caregivers and will, of course, have a huge sympathy for what's happening. And many, many Ukrainian refugees have made their way to Italy, drawn by these links. There's many Italians hosting Ukrainian refugees in their own homes. And Draghi has also been very strong about the kind of the welcome to the Ukrainians and affirming them as a very valued and important part of you know, the Italian population and the community here. So, Amy, more broadly, how significant is Italy's shift away from Russia? And what does this mean for EU's response to the war? So, at this point, Italy's harder stance makes it easier for the EU to act more swiftly, more decisively, more cohesively. Of course, there's not total cohesion because you have Hungary, which is very close with Putin and Russia, but Italy is now kind of firmly in the mainstream of European opinion instead of being this kind of outlier, which was pleading Moscow's case. So I think there's a very strong political commitment to pare down Italy's dependence on Russia and Russia's energy. And I think the business community sees the writing on the wall that there is now going to be an unwinding of this relationship forged over decades. Amy Kasman is the FT's Rome correspondent. Thanks, Amy. Thank you very much. A group of investors recently pushed Unilever to publish nutrition scores for its foods using external metrics. It was a big victory over the company, which is known for Ben & Jerry's ice cream and Hellman's mayonnaise and Lipton teas, among other products. The shareholders were coordinated by a nonprofit called Share Action. And it does include some fairly major players, Legal and General Investment Management, which is the largest asset manager in the UK, BMO Global Asset Management, which is the funds arm of Canada's BMO, and several others. That's the FT's consumer industries correspondent, Judith Evans. She says his group is now targeting other food multinationals like Nestle and Kraft Heinz. So this issue has been there kind of bubbling under for, for many years as obesity rates have risen. But a lot of the so-called ESG focus has been on climate for understandable reasons. However, there is a fresh focus on obesity and health following COVID-19, which affects obese people and people with conditions like diabetes worse than average. And governments recently have also become more interventionist on this, bringing in measures like soft drinks taxes and initiatives to promote physical activity and healthier lifestyles. But Judith says food companies face a tough balancing act. They obviously can't come out and say, oh, we're fine with obesity. And in fact, a lot of companies have already reformulated their foods. There was a campaign in the UK to remove salt from bread in the early 2000s, which is said to have saved many lives. But on the other hand, uh, companies don't want to lose their competitive advantage by making their products kind of simply not tasty enough. And neither do they want to come out and say, oh, yes, now you mention it, our foods actually are quite unhealthy. So there are many pressures on these companies from many different directions. That's the FT's consumer industries reporter, Judith Evans. 
before we go, steelmakers are trying to reduce their carbon footprint. And one of the industry's biggest companies says it's reached a milestone. ArcelorMittal says engineers at one of its industrial sites in Canada successfully tested the use of green hydrogen to reduce iron ore. That's part of the steelmaking process that's highly carbon intensive. The company says it was able to replace 7% of the natural gas typically used with hydrogen made from renewables. The company said scaling up remains a challenge, as is the amount of hydrogen that would be needed to decarbonize. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.